parameters. Player code established. Welcome to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing post-playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. There's a new episode already? Man, we really are trying to wrap things up as fast as fucking possible. But hey, it's something we've been asking of 2022 all year long, so why the hell not? Coming up, we finish our talk of work and giggles with the effigy. Plus, we get to talk Dracula just after Christmas with Laura Vargas of the Inferno Doll. In place of our Metal News recap, we look back on some of the most important and some of our favorite news stories covered in the year, and even take a look at some we may not have covered. But coming up in a few short moments, we start counting down the top 10 best metal albums of 2022. Strap the fuck in, see what survived the shredder this time out. All this and more, so let's not waste much more time and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. It's the Metal Robot Podcast. The last two episodes are upon us, and we start to count down the top 10 best metal albums of 2022. This is part one of this list. We'll wrap up with the top five in the next episode. This list, as always, is my own list. It's not the best overall from 2022, but these are 10 albums I found myself returning to a lot for various different reasons. Of course, you can also always tell me your favorite albums from this year. The album with the most responses will be given the Metal Robots Court of Awesome Award. The first of its kind, of course, because we can't ever leave you guys out of this one. So do let me know what the what that album is for you. And for now, we'll start with number 10. Number 10. At number 10, we have Red-Handed Denials. Uh, I'd rather be asleep. My God, I was actually surprised how much this album stuck with me over the year. Uh, this was an album that I was really into at first, uh, mostly because I'm a big fan of Red-Handed Denial. I love Lauren Babick's work on YouTube. And of course, as a Periphery fan, these guys are very similar to what they're doing and in that entire space. So, of course, I'm going to end up loving what I hear at first, but I was surprised by how much it was able to stick around for me. I was not expecting it to be able to stick emotionally. I was not expecting it to stick musically that well. Uh, but it did. I mean, this is a heavy kind of metalcore sound with progressive tendencies. Melodic, powerful courses throughout uh, with creative, proggy riffs all the way through. This is an album that is great as an accessible kind of prog metal, metalcore kind of sound. And of course, you know, you cannot go without the vocals here. The vocals are fantastic, visceral, visceral growls and screams, along with soaring clean vocals in the choruses and throughout. These guys are doing a fantastic job here. And of course, what stuck with me the most here was the lyrical content. I was not expecting it to get very personal here and very deep down into the gutter of just Holy shit, give these guys a hug, please. Oh my God, I'm so... <laughs> For real, like these lyrics were... I, I've not heard lyrics so in tune with the band and with the personal struggles of the band than uh, since, I think, Whitechapel, actually, with The Valley. That was something I was not expecting here, and it was something that was very much appreciated all throughout. You really get into it. Songs like Cloud Nine really tug at your heartstrings on that one with just how real I think it is. And of course, uh, Father Said, I think is one of the other ones that stuck out to me the most, mostly because of the fucking Doom intro soundtrack that we got. Oh my God, that was insane. <laughs> I, I, as soon as we kicked in, I'm just like, oh, we're getting fucking somewhere here. And I, and I had, I was so into it at that point. Seriously, this album is a fantastic, even if you're not really into metalcore or even the kind of metalcore proggy stuff that's going on nowadays, definitely get into this one. These guys are fantastic and they need to be heard a lot more. Check them out. Number nine. 
Evergrey's A Heartless Portrait, the Orphean Testament. I, okay, this one I found a bit later than I was expecting. I actually found it, funny, funnily enough, through Instagram and the ad system that they have. Because if you ever, like, on you're on Instagram, you're scrolling through the, the reels, just uh, looking at some dumb shit that whatever Instagram wants to throw at you. Well, that was one of the things that popped up as an Instagram ad. And I was really into it, actually. I love the course specifically of Save Us. That was the song that really got me into this album. And I checked it out and the entire thing is really solid. Holy shit. Like this entire album, Evergrey in general, is a masterclass in songwriting and melody crafting. It is so varied. It's far from traditional and yet it is in the same way. It teeters sort of on the edge of prog, but it never actually commits to it. This is more or less accessible, kind of like with Red-Handed Denial, but Red-Handed Denial is way more in the lines of metalcore. These guys are more kind of melodic metal, maybe melodic death metal, without the screaming, without the growls. This is very much a melodic album. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. Seriously, I highly recommend Evergrey whatever they might do in the future, and especially this album, go check it out. Oh, come on. You knew this was going to be on here. Arch Enemies Deceivers. This was an album that I really enjoyed at first. Uh, and you know, it wasn't something that immediately stuck with me right when I got to it, mostly because I, I, it's Arch Enemy. Like they didn't change a whole lot up here, but at the same time, just because they didn't change anything up doesn't mean that it was something that was just boring. In fact, in many ways, regardless of whether they're breaking new ground here, the fact that a lot of these songs are still really great songs, even if they're nothing new, they are still fantastic songs and they stuck with me throughout the year. A lot of the songs on this album, first of all, Deceivers, Deceivers, uh, Handshake with Hell. There's also a, the one song I always kept coming back to, Sunset Over the Empire. All these songs in their own right had something to offer here. And it was something that I was not personally expecting to really hold on to the entire time, but much like with the last album that they came out with back in 2017, this is an album that stuck with me and it's gonna stick with me for a long time because it's fucking Arch Enemy. What were you expecting? <laughs> They've been doing really good even after uh, Angela Gasso ended up leaving the group and ended up just becoming their manager. But this is still an album that uh, proves that Alyssa White Glues is a fantastic contributor, even allowing her to clean sing a lot more, which I feel is a great testament to what is going on in death metal as a whole. You're not expecting the clean singing more and more, and yet we're getting more and more of it. I think it's for the better, especially with Alyssa White Glues. She has a fantastic set of pipes, whether she is the beast with the growling and screaming, or she's a fucking power metal singer that is creating great melody and absolutely soaring over everything else. This is melodic death metal after all. For real, honest to God, go check out this album and do not sleep on Arch Enemy going forward. My God, you are missing out if you're doing that. Number seven. And then the Halo Effect Days of the Lost, another NDM album, but this time no clean singing and it's above Arch Enemy. What does that tell you? <laughs> it just shows you how my ranking makes no goddamn sense. I did say actually when I reviewed this album back in August, this was what this came out around the same time as Arch Enemy in fact, uh, that this was possibly one of the best mellow death albums of the year and motherfucker, I fucking meant the fuck out of that statement. This held up so well over the year. And this is one of those albums that is not doing anything new. Like I said, it's one of those albums that is very much, uh, much like Arch Enemy, it's not breaking any new ground. This is in many ways old school MDM, given that many of the members are part of the old school MDM scene. Yeah, it makes sense it's gonna sound like that, but the fact that they came together and brought strong melodies, strong riffs, songwriting, production, it all came together like a metal version of the Power Rangers and just created a masterclass look at melodic death metal. It's a taste of the old brought in with the new, and it's so fucking good. Even in many places, there's a lot of things that uh, you'd think would actually work, but in, when you actually hear it, 
it definitely works way better than you thought it would, like Matt Heafy's cameo on Last of Our Kind. It molds with the rest really well. It stuck out throughout the year, this entire album. It's no, like no other MDM record that I have heard this year. Nothing else could have come close to beating this one out. So seriously, this is an MDM record for the books. If you are a melodic death metal fan, you have not heard the Halo effect, go check it out. Seriously, it is... It's almost a joke that you haven't heard them yet. <laughs> Go check it out, for real. Number six. Venom Prison's Erebos. I remember, what was my first thoughts on the album? And my thoughts on the album, much like their previous albums, are Oh my god, I forgot I did that. Yeah, it still holds up. <laughs> I... <laughs> And again, this is another album that has just kept coming back for me. It's, not, it's, a, it's an album I wasn't expecting to come back a whole lot, but it's an album that came back a lot nonetheless. Because for many reasons, it is a great death metal, extreme metal album with fantastic vocals. I still listen to it from time to time, mostly to scare away the demons and that are keep, gonna keep coming back. It works every time. It's the only thing that's worked. Holy shit. You know what? I tried speaking their language the same way that I do for Homoeusius. All that ended up doing was make them want to come back for more. I don't get it. They, they, they seem to like it. But seriously, like this is scary how good it is. Like Larissa Stuper, uh, Stupar, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, is a fucking terrifying vocalist when she gets behind the mic. I say that in the nicest way possible, of course. Her voice is enough to make the devil her bitch. And that is something I cannot get enough of. It's pretty, it's really fantastic what you end up getting here. Sure. Her clean vocals, when they do come in every once in a while, they are really good too, but come on, let's be honest here, much like with Alyssa White Glues, it's the growls you're coming in for. And here it is so good, but of course, with instrumentation, it's blistering, chaotic, insanely destructive. It's never for the weak, but always for the bold. Heavy riffs, tight drums, visceral screams throughout, they've been around for a while, and this album shows why they are here to stay. I mean this in every way possible, this is an album that cements their place among extreme metal's finest, and we are more than happy to have them around. Okay, we're going to stop there for now. Tune in to episode 41 coming up in a few days for the top five. And once again, let me know your picks for the best album of 2022. Coming up, the FNG returns for more shop talk and sleepy giggles. Plus, we take a look back at the most interesting news stories of the year. But first, the Inferno doll joins us to talk Dracula. And as you can tell, it's a popular source of metal songs this year. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Know what albums I should take a rusty pickaxe to? I mean, take a look at next. Request them anytime online, and you can hear your favorites hacked to pieces. I mean, disgust. Why do I keep doing that? Disgust right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. 15 plus artists, multiple cultures, multiple languages. One almost unpronounceable name. Homoyoisios. mother. What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced homoyoisios. How? There's 20 O's. It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homoyoisios. A symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres? Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night! For fuck's sake! Well, we can't solve a bad phone battery. You can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. I'm just a troll. Like, I just I just don't give a, a crap. Can I say that? <laughs> uh, honestly, I've been saying fuck this entire time, so by all means. <laughs> MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. Let's continue.
continue our show, episode 40 of the Metal Robot Podcast. The song is Renfield that you just heard, and it's by Canadian-Chilean solo artist The Inferno Doll. Laura Vargas has created such a heavy fucking sound, you just can't imagine it being anything but a dark and twisted song about an arguably underrated character from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, we're going to find out a lot about the song that you might not have known. Some surprising stuff too, some cool stuff, some spooky stuff, lots of fun times with the music. The song is available for streaming and can be found on the Inferno Dolls Bandcamp and everywhere else. But for now, let's get to know the song Renfield. This is part one with the Inferno Doll on the Metal Robot Podcast. Good evening, afternoon, time zone funny thing. How are you doing today? Awesome. How are you doing today? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. Uh, so we're recording right now. It is right now for me, at least, is the evening. But from what I understand, you are in Alberta right now. So I'm guessing a couple hours behind, it's still afternoon for you right now, right? Yeah, it's just 4 p.m. right here, right now, this moment. Okay. Winter, sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's the beautiful thing of Canada. We always get great cold winters and then bloody hot summers for some reason. Yes. I never understand the difference, but welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. So before we get into like everything else that we're going to talk about today, let's start with who is the Inferno Doll? Who are you? Hi. What is the project? Okay, so hello everyone who's watching. My name is Laura or also known as the Inferno Doll. I come from Chile. I've been living in Canada for the past six years. Um, the Inferno Doll is my solo project. I do, I've been told by my fans that it is gothic metal, now more inclined to vampiric gothic metal, some because of my influence um, by uh, Dracula, by the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have one full album that I released on 2015, an EP that I released on 2020, and there's a new song coming and full album next year. And the Inferno Doll is all about um, gothic romance, gothic literature, uh, gothic horror, all gothic things, vampires, and a lot of Dracula. And I'm not nearly now here. And yes, that's what oh. it is. <laughs> All right. There's a lot to yeah. that for sure. Uh, in the in like ever since this whole thing started. Now you mentioned, of course, you were originally from from Chile, but you moved to Calgary, Alberta, a few uh, around six years ago. Yeah. What made you want to come to Canada? Uh, speaking as a Canadian myself, was it uh, maybe you saw an attractive economy? It could have been like a great variety of weather conditions, being too cold or too hot, <laughs> or. Was it maybe because because I know you're in Calgary, Alberta? Was it maybe the Alberta metal scene that drew you to Canada? It was not the weather. Okay. <laughs> <for> <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Actually, um, let's rewind six, seven ish years ago. I I got an, an opportunity of here. I already had in mind of relocating. I was aiming for other countries back then, and um, it's I just wanted like. A new life, start all over again, is a very personal thing, to be honest. And I got an opportunity to come here to Canada. And because my brother was already living here in Calgary, I just came here. Um, then mm. being here, I, I got to learn about the metal scene. That's pretty awesome. Here in Alberta, I, it's been amazing being here. Summer is fantastic. Winter has its beauty too. <laughs> Don't get me sure. Wrong. Yeah, and that was it. I came here. I didn't. I had the idea of remaining here, um, and on the go, like first coming here, seeing how things went, and luckily more things happened that allowed me to remain here and for six years now. Awesome. Well, before coming here, I know you used to be in uh, in various bands and various different projects mm -hmm. from a melodic punk band to a Nightwish <laughs> tribute <Yeah>. band uh, <laughs> oh, and <yeah>. beyond that. <laughs> now, 
now that you've gone solo, though, as of uh, as of a few years ago, as of all those years ago, do you prefer this new world of creativity within your own head, or what do you find it was much easier being in a group of other creative minds? Um, because I'm I'm a solo artist, I I I have the word here, <laughs> <laughs> so I do have a creative. I work with a co-songwriter. He's in Chile. His name is. Gabriel Hidalgo, and we've been doing this together since the beginning. Uh, he's been amazing with me. I do miss like being in the same room and different people bringing different ideas, but because of the concept of the band back then required that. At this very moment, the um, creativity help that I get is uh, from the people I work with, either writing music or making the uh, music videos and all the aesthetics and imagery that I like to play around with it um so is that um what i do like about being solo or the solo sounds so lonely i'm not that alone <laughs> in this <laughs> in this music world lonely. <laughs> i miss the lonely i do enjoy having like i do like having like partners like okay i have this idea help me get it out of my head i do hope that in the not so at least in um, that that inferno doll becomes not just a solo project but some how can I explain it um explain it um of a duo thing or uh three members kind of band uh, I'm open to that possibility of, of course but um, what else can I tell you <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, well, I mean, most solo projects at the end of the day, they do have at least it's never truly, I guess, a solo project. Like I know uh, many of the solo artists I've spoken with and even myself, like there's always a bit of collaboration involved, whether yeah. it's adding something to what you've already made or maybe they're helping to develop your ideas even further. Yes, which absolutely. Yeah, in the style of uh, the Inferno doll, at least from what I heard from the new single Renfield, which by the time uh, the podcast listeners are hearing this, uh, they the new single would be out. Uh, the style is, of course, as you mentioned, described as gothic metal. But while listening to that song, it feels a lot more like death and thrash takes a seat in the front row of the influences. Uh, with that song, do you feel that it helps you stand out amongst other gothic metal artists in the sphere? And if so, was that what you were intending to do in the first place? I have not invented the wheel here. There is a <laughs> lot of other gothic metal bands out there doing something very similar to what I do. Um, what makes me different? I'm different to them. I'm another person. I have different views. I have a different voice. And the way that I like to approach to this is like... Oh, like a play. <laughs> okay. So going to a play, I do, I am aware that um, of those elements you hear in the songs, like thrash and all that, I'm pretty old school. I'm a, I'm a very <laughs> old school vampire here. Sure. Is this spirit, um, probably the concept of the music, I try to my best to not bring um, so far, like conceptual albums it has a story i like to build a story around uh, either the album or the ep or the single and but also each songs each, each song work well on its own so i'm not the only one who's speaking or telling the story about dracula by bram stoker i do add my own twist there maybe changing a timeline and stuff like that. Well, do you feel like in, in that regard that, because uh, obviously there's always talk, especially on my show, like I've talked a lot about how uniqueness is so important and how it's important mm -hmm. to try to have your own identity. Do you feel that that is, especially with your music, do you think that uh, in terms of the actual music composition, do you think that uniqueness is so important or do you feel that your personality already influences that? I think it comes with the personality. The music, as I said before, is... I'm not inventing the wheel again here. So I think it, it comes like the personality, like trying to be super spooky and creepy, but funny at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm very goofy, <laughs> believe it or yeah. not. And um, my approach, what I'm doing right now is because the theater, bleh, 
theatrical aspect of the Inferno doll is very present in the music and the imagery, I tend to, for example, for social media, I dress up as this vampire or ghost, and I have this um, way of talking to my fans, to the listener, and I think that's what makes it slightly different to other bands. Um, and because it's, everything is surrounded by the Victorian era and Victorian dark romance and, and all that. Well, I think it still definitely works. I mean, I know for a fact, like, because I, I also follow you on uh, on Twitter and I also follow you on uh, other places as well. And I've seen that at the very least, like your, your posts at the very least, they do stand out amongst others because there is this, I guess, character that is being portrayed yeah. here in the posts when you're talking with fans. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's definitely something to that as well. And of course, it does influence the music, which brings us to, of course, the new single, Renfield, uh, which yeah, which uh, brings which brings to light a seemingly underrated character from Bram Stoker's, uh, Stoker, I can't even pronounce that name, uh, Dracula. <laughs> what ha- what's going on with us today? We can't talk. I don't know. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I think it maybe the weather is starting to come in. Like somehow, oh, yeah, but... <laughs> somehow like winter just makes talking so much harder. But, uh, but for the single, uh, from what I, from what I heard, at least the ideas or like w- the concepts of the single was very different at the start, even having a temporary name that is starkly different, or I guess in some ways similar, depending on how you look at it to what we landed with deathly romantic, even yes. being, uh, from what I understand, it was more piano-driven and very uh, romantic kind of sound until, of, until of course, uh, the, your producer, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel, got a hold of it and said, let's get some fucking metal in this, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so was that, did you kind of expect that to go in that direction? I was open to. I mm-hmm. wanted to still, like, have this deadly romantic song or songs album but at the same time i i was i wanted like renfield to be well when it was turning into renfield i wanted to be crazy i wanted to have madness and when gabriel proposed those riffs on the guitar and i was like okay let's do it let's do it let's do it i like it um then i sent back the demo to Emma, she wrote uh, the glissando flute parts and she performed those as well. She's like, oh, wow, I really like this new approach to the song. They are, there were parts that remained, like originally, but all the piano that, that I <laughs> wrote on MIDI and everything, everything go, was like switched to guitars and heavy drifts and, and everything. And I really like the idea of combining that with the sound of the glissando flute. So that's the touch of madness that I was looking for, and yeah, and a lot of heart. <laughs> of course. So in this, pro- so wait, in this process, when it came to uh, Belladonna's glissando flute, uh, when in the process did that come in? Was it uh, before Gabriel got a hold of it, yes. or it was before? Okay, before, so, way before. So how how much of her parts ended up changing uh, when, after uh, it became metal, or did it all remain the uh, same? Actually, her parts remained. What she wrote remained. We did some changes here and there, probably removing some flute from this part of the song and put it in at the end. And I'm, but basically, um, the base idea that she wrote is the original. So um, I love you, Emma. You're the best. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is she basically she heard it back when it was a piano version. Did you end up yeah. hearing? Did she end up hearing the metal version? If so, oh, yeah. what was her reaction? Did you end up telling her that it went metal before you played yes. it to her? I was no, of course. I was like, um, I told her, you know what, the song is no longer deadly romantic. <laughs> it's now Renfield, and it's about Renfield from the novel. And because I was reading this uh, book from Barbara Hamley that is just about him. It made all the sense in the world. And I'm like, and you know what? I've been listening to like on repeat, I'm on a Marth. So uh, we made it heavier, <laughs> like very heavy. <laughs> this is the new demo. What do you think? And she was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> so, and we've been like almost every day, like chatting on WhatsApp, like how would people react to a flute on a metal song? And I'm like, I have no idea. 
but I think it's awesome. Part one with the Inferno doll talking Renfield, the new single that came out last month. Go check it out if you haven't yet. It's some heavy fucking shit that you need to hear for yourself. It is surprising to know, though, that it started out as a ballad. Can you imagine that shit? Like, that's the thing that I think surprised me the most about this song. To think that this started off as a romantic love ballad and then turned into this motherfucker. Oh my god! We are going to learn a lot more about the song, the music video, and what's in the future in the next episode when the Inferno doll returns. Okay, let's get into our new segment covering the most striking, most fun, and most important and dark and sad stories covered this year. And then we'll get back to more giggles uh, with Effie Gold to talk the effigy right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by the gears that make my brain work. It's a work in progress. Send your takes of the week's biggest stories with the hashtag MRPNews and let us know what stories we may have missed. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. Oh man, there was so much that happened this year. Outside of metal, of course, this year has seen lots of dark, horrible, and weird events and stories. A lot of it affected the metal world as well, but I think one thing is for sure, we definitely have some of the most striking controversies and developing news. And we start with the most obvious one from this year. Pantera's reunion tribute something thing. <laughs> remember when this was just starting up not too long ago? It was huge news. I remember when people were freaking the fuck out and being like, what? Pantera is back? Of course, there were people who were a bit skeptical at the time, and some are still not fully on board, but after my coverage on Zach Wilde's comments about not being Dimebag Daryl a couple episodes back, they eventually ended up playing their first ever show with this new lineup, and my god, it was sick! Of course, there are still people who are, well on board, but also not on board. Some people are just against this incarnation, probably for sentimental, nostalgic reasons, but others are mixed, more or less, especially on the idea of this incarnation of Pantera writing new music together. Charlie Bennett of Anthrax, who's currently filling in in the drum position, even said to BraveWords.com that he's not sure how others would react to that. And some others are building on that, including Adam D of Killswitch Engage on the RRBG podcast. Somebody said something about like, oh, you know, there's potential that they might write new music. I'm like, no. Oh, I don't know. You do not do that. I don't know about that. You do not do that. Yeah, you can't. Well, you, you can do it, but just don't call it Pantera. Yeah. Of course, I am still curious to see how all that will go, but it is interesting to see Pantera in some form live again. Not exactly the same band, but also still in some form, not a cover, if that makes any sense. We'll surely see more in 2023. I do want to know your thoughts. Would you want new Pantera music uh, with this incarnation, or do you think that they should just stick with being a tribute? Then, and I didn't expect this to happen, news, apparently the internet is thirsting over metalheads like never before. I don't know how to feel about that. Uh okay, this I think was a funny story for me. People were thirsting over metalheads for a while. Remember, do you remember that shit? That was funny. So a bit of context here. So this news started coming out a little bit after Stranger Things season four, specifically because Eddie Munson, remember that character? Honestly, still my favorite character from the entire season. I'm so saddened to see that he's dead now, but spoiler alert. But at the same time, this whole thing sparked a lot of trends on TikTok, specifically with Eddie Munson uh, style kind of, you know, thirst TikToks. Uh, so this was something that I was not expecting. I remember my coverage was more or less just kind of joking, like, we don't know how to react to this. But one thing was for sure, Eddie Munson was a trending topic on TikTok. I mean, shit, the hashtags at the time, like, let me go through the hashtags that were present at the time back when uh, this was happening. According to Metal Hammer, because I don't have TikTok and refuse to get it, they report that the hashtag Eddie Munson has over 11 billion views on the app alone. Also, another hashtag, Eddie Munson Edit, has also garnered 1.6 billion views. 
Also, the related hashtag Eddie Munson POV series has 16 million views. Yeah, they have since still exploded. I mean, the Eddie Munson hashtag like previously with 11 billion views now has 16.5 billion views. Eddie Munson edit, 1.6 billion, now 2.2 billion. Eddie Munson POV series, 16 million views before, now 21 million. And I remember the internet got weird. A lot of people were not particularly happy about it, specifically those who ended up seeing their images uh, circling around the internet without their consent, which that does make sense uh, why you'd be uncomfortable with that. It just makes no fucking sense. Also, at the same time, like there was a thing uh, that I was pointing out, I think, uh, at the time, I was hoping that this would have changed how people perceive metalheads. I haven't really noticed any changes on my end. I don't think things will change even. Like this was more or less a fad at the time. I haven't heard much about it. Yes, the views have gone up, but there isn't too many people still making Eddie Munson thirst traps. And shit, I mean, this story was happening around the same time as the satanic panic was trending on Twitter. We'll get to that at some point, but that is something that was core, that, that was going on at the same time. And it, I'm pretty sure may have dampened any possibility of this of this becoming a huge thing? I don't know. Have you noticed any changes? Let me know. Welcome to the Grammy premiere ceremony. I'm so happy to welcome all of you to the 64th annual Grammy Awards and the start of music's biggest night here in Las Vegas. Oh, man, the Grammys. Oh, this was a couple of things that... I talked about twice, actually. Well, not twice. I did actually talk about the the first one, the 2022 award ceremony, when it about a week after it happened. And this was something that I was talking about on the podcast, specifically because I wanted people to just stop being stupid. <laughs> Is that the right word for it? For real, people were just constantly complaining about the nominees and who ended up winning. It's like, why do you care? It's the Grammys. We have the same respect for them as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who cares what they think? But everybody always has an opinion. And everybody's opinion always is the Grammys suck. Even when it comes to the metal news sites. I think my point that I made at the time was specifically calling out Metal Sucks for their preteen is not a phase mom coverage of Dream Theater winning the Grammy for best metal. This is one of the stories that I called out specifically back in episode 25. Um, specifically talking about it because of the fact that I was just irritated to this point of all the coverage that ends up happening with this specific event. It's always the same thing. Every metal fan who ends up not liking the nominees or ends up hating who wins is always pissed off. And the metal news sites, specifically the personality driven ones, are always just so cringy in their coverage because they just come off as preteens. I was specifically talking about how, like, if you don't like what is going on, don't watch it. For metal sites, same thing. I have since gone back on that a little bit, not necessarily for the metal fans. I think if metal fans don't like what is being talked about in the Grammys in terms of nominations, definitely don't watch it. Um, and I know, and well, okay, for the in memoriam section, definitely like voice your concerns of like, hey, that's not okay. Don't leave out these important people from your in memoriam section because that's just disrespectful. It is. Uh, but for metal sites, I get it. You have to cover it. It's part of the news cycle, regardless of whether people care about the Grammys and their opinions. It is still a trending topic and you need the clicks. But at the same time, uh, if you're going to cover it, could you do it without sounding like a prepubescent twat? Like this is something, okay, it's mean of me to say that, but come on, we, we, we were already talking about in the last episode unprofessionalism in this sector of the industry uh, for different reasons, but it still rings true. Many times it just comes off as whiny and complainy. It's something that I look back on. And even when it came to the 2023 nominees, it was the same thing. People were complaining because, uh, what was it? A killer be killed by Muse was nominated for best metal. I'm mostly concerned about Machine Gun Kelly getting uh, best rock, but that is a separate issue there. It still doesn't change the fact that our coverage seems to be just complain, complain, complain. We, If you have concerns, sure, voice them. But if you really want to make a dent, 
Stop watching the Grammys. If you actually do not like the nominees, don't watch it. If you have concerns, don't watch it. If you know you're going to get burned this year, like we do every year, don't watch it. It's simple as that. Don't give them your view. Do not give them your time. That's all they want. For news sites, if you, I know you have to cover it, but just be professional about it. Do what Loudwire does. Loudwire is a prime example of just covering the facts. Give the people the facts of what happened, who won. That's it. You're more than welcome to give your opinion, especially for the personality-driven metal news sites, but just don't be like, they'll never understand us. They'll never understand us, or some variety of that same tired trope that we keep hearing all around. It doesn't matter anymore. Just stop. But at the same time, it's not as important as what we've got now. Ukraine, the war in Ukraine, this broke out, I, I remember specifically back in February, uh, and I remember it because it broke out on a Thursday. I remember this distinctly because at this time, I was already pretty far into working on the episode at the time, episode 20 of the show. I had to change so fucking much of it as soon as the war broke out because it's one of those things where it's like, I can't not acknowledge it and I want to be able to do something to at least bring awareness to it. Uh, sure, there was, you know, the part of my brain that was like, this will be good for getting clicks because it's an immediate trending topic. But that part of my brain, I tend to shut the hell up <laughs> because it's not important. But this was something that I did want to talk about. And so pretty quickly, as soon as I thought like, okay, what can I do in this regard? I want to show support. I want to show my support for Ukraine here because they, you know, they were wrongly attacked. And I was like, oh, I have an idea. So I called up my buddy Colin and said, hey, let's talk about Ukrainian metal bands. That episode's still up, episode 20. You can go check it out. We have a lot of discussion about Ukrainian metal bands that we found. It's a lot of fun. When it came to Ukraine, a lot of the news coverage was still ongoing. It didn't make light of the situation, and I hope it didn't, because this was a terrible situation and still is. The war is still going on. Even though news about this in the metal world has more or less died down, it, at the time, took, uh, took over everything for a little bit. Show cancellations happened in droves for shows in Ukraine, along with shows in Russia, Belarus, or really most nations that were cozy with Russia and what they were doing. Ukrainian metal bands, of course, also canceled shows for obvious fucking reasons, but a lot has happened since then in a pretty short amount of time. Ginger became a Ukraine's music ambassador to gather support for Ukraine during the war. In terms of what Russia was doing, well, obviously Russia is responsible for the war, but mostly Putin. It's important to note that the few do not represent the whole. I mean, given that we saw Russian citizens trying to flee the country during the draft, yeah, that is something that it shows pretty quickly that Russia, all of Russia does not agree. And Slaughter to Prevail uh, immediately pointed that out, which notably is a Russian deathcore band. They came out against the war almost immediately and asked the world to not conflate the whole of Russia with Putin. And of course, you know, I can't ignore the fact that most Ukrainians will point out that hasn't stopped Russian conscripts from committing war crimes on their own. Look, it's a delicate situation all in all. And there are there were more stories in the metal world in relation to this, and given that the war's still going on, major news is still covering it. In terms of metal, there were some good things that happened. Ginger, back in March, raised over $140,000 with donation tees, which was used to provide important humanitarian aid to those who were still in Ukraine. Uh, Jack Osborne, Ozzy Osborne's son, was volunteering at the border of Ukraine and Romania, which was important given that at the time, according to Global News, there were plenty of people in Ukraine who were trying to flee through the borders. Uh, there was like thousands, hundreds of thousands, I believe. Uh, and one of my personal favorite news stories from this, we found out Russian radios were so poorly secure, which should not be the case, but they were poorly secure to the point that Ukrainians intercepted it and started blasting metal music over the radios to confuse the soldiers. It was one of my favorite stories to cover at the time. And I remember one specific uh, thing that I pointed out in the coverage, because everyone was talking about this. This wasn't exactly like a new thing. Everyone was talking about this, including Stephen Colbert, who just made me realize that maybe my podcast episodes were getting a bit long. If Ukraine really wants to mess with Russian soldiers, they should flood their walkie-talkies with an unbearably long podcast. <laughs> oh. Well, at least now I know why my Ukrainian listenership spiked recently. Um, how, how far in the podcast are we again? We've been, okay. Um. <laughs>
thankfully, I think I've more or less course corrected there. Um, but regardless, the war is still going on, as mentioned. Support is still necessary. And if you can show support in any way, it's highly recommended. I highly encourage you to support. The link in the podcast description, it still works. It shows where you can support uh, if you can. And of course, you know, the countries that are supporting still, that is great. But we need to keep the fight up because Ukraine has shown they are more or less willing to keep the fight going. And it's, I think, in everyone's best interest if Russia gets out of Ukraine as soon as possible. That's no longer a metal concern. I don't think this ever was a metal concern, but this is something that is still going on, and I know a lot of people are still passionate about. A lot of people have more or less forgotten about it, but it is still going on, and they need our support. So seriously, do not forget that it's happening. Don't get complacent. Just keep supporting. It's what we need to do. And that's it for this episode's Metal News Recap. There obviously were more stories that we covered throughout this year, and I want to be able to look at more of them in the next episode, so stay tuned for that. Of course, with any of this, you can check out TheMetalRobot.com for more news, press, uh, anything in between that can be found throughout the week. Okay, don't go away. We've got one more act for tonight's lineup. The Effigy's single-a-month work ethic. I still don't know how the hell they do it. Let's dive into that nonsense right here on The Metal Robot podcast. The X-Men of New Orleans is back. No, no, wait, I meant in metal with a new song from Dust Prophet. Could you not have led with that? Sure, but then you wouldn't have done the contractually obligated scream that I can now use for exciting purposes. Watch, Dust Prophet have a new song. <laughs> Here's another one. The tent broke off, so they're giving away free beer to everyone. Yes. <laughs> I hate you. X Falls, new fuzzed out jam from the New Hampshire Fuzz Rockers Dust Prophet. Available on Bandcamp, linked down in the podcast description. Metal addicts call it symbiosis between extreme metal and classical music. Cult Metal Flick says cinematic landscapes collide with atmosphere. Tom McKay says it's the reason my veins are filled with caffeine. Wait, what? I can't help it! I'd rather write awesome metal than sleep! Give me a fucking ambient, please! Call to the Demon Sultan is out now on all streaming platforms. And while you're at it, pick up some cool merch by going to metalrobotreviews.creatorspring.com or check the links in the podcast description. Stream now. You're listening to LRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. We've got one last special nugget for you before we wrap things up here. Last episode, we sat down with Effie Gold to talk about all things The Effigy, including the single-a-month workflow that they've adopted. Also, I want to make a quick note about the single that we talked about, Talking to the Moon. It is a dark symphonic cover of a Bruno Mars song, not an original piece. I didn't necessarily call it an original piece, but I also didn't make it clear that this was a cover. It doesn't take away from what I said. It's just important for me to make sure that that is noted in case it wasn't clear before. But anyways, the effigy, as mentioned in the last episode, is the brainchild of Effie Gold, a UK-born singer-songwriter now based in Australia. They've been making music for some time, but have now adopted a single-a-month type of workflow. I wrote single-a-day there. I don't know why. It's single-a-month. It's already intense with single-a-month. Who the fuck would do single-a-day? That is insane. And just by saying that, I'm sure somebody in the audience is listening to this going, I can do single a day. Don't do it. Don't, please, for your sake, don't do it. No matter which one it is, single a day, single a month, it still makes my brain hurt. But somehow, the effigy has made single a month work, so why fight it? Now, we're going to get into the process once again and start looking towards the future. What's in the future for the effigy, and can we expect something more in the new year? To talk more about it, let's jump back into the conversation with Effie Gold on the Metal Robot Podcast. Going into like uh, the, the past of Effie Gold, obviously when it comes to the sound, there's a lot of rock, metal, alternative stuff, um, which I'm guessing doesn't come about from, you know, not understanding what the genre is and how it sounds. So I'm guessing you've been listening to rock and metal for quite a while. Yeah, actually, I remember the first time I listened to metal. Uh, well, I was about 12, 11, 12, something mm -hmm. around then. And before that, I was super into Spice Girls, S Club 7, Britney, Destiny's Child. That was my jam. Um, but I was actually very sad inside. <laughs> and I remember I was walking through a record shop and I, I saw... 
the cover of Evanescence is Fallen. Um, mm. And Amy Lee just looked really sad. She kind of looked how I felt. And back then, obviously, I don't know if you could do that now, but well, I don't even know if there are really record stores now like there were them, but um, you used to, have to put the headphones on. There are a few still left. Yeah. So I put the headphones on and I listened to it and I was just like, now nah, this is it for the rest of my life now. I'm just going to listen to this one album until I die. <laughs> Which has kind of mostly been the truth, to be, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I listened to that and it kind of just changed me, changed my tastes. It only got heavier from there. And would you say that metal is what got you into making music? Or have you always been a little musically inclined? So my dad was a phenomenal jazz pianist. Um, so music's kind of always been in the family. My family <laughs> used to get me to uh, like sing because I did like a killer Britney impression when I was like eight. <laughs> they used to get me to <laughs> sing um, Britney, um, but I hadn't really considered being a musician until I, I yeah, I heard heard Evanescence and I was like, well, I want to do that now. That's that's what I want in my life. Yeah, that's a that is a pretty good starting point because I know a lot of people uh, have a lot of similar experiences where they discover something, especially back in like the like the two thousands era, uh, yeah, where they're like sure. where they see something on uh, like a record store or they hear it from their friends, like oh Evanescence, oh Lincoln Park, oh Event Sevenfold, and they're like, this is awesome. What the hell? Where have this been? You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely something. I think that's actually really people, cool people that it was love to hate on those bands though. People love to hate on them, but they're such, they're good gateway bands. They're great gateway. Yeah. They're just commercial enough that they can get new fans. And I think, you know, back in the early 2000s, there were so many good breakout sort of mm -hmm. commercially sort of tainted like rock and metal <laughs> bands that I just don't feel like we've had in the past few years. I feel like now we're starting to get more, but yeah, no, certainly for like 10 years or so, there was, there was nothing really. Yeah. Nowadays, like the only, only equivalent I can think of is ghost, um, as like the main gateway. Other people would probably say yeah, like poppy mm. or baby metal, that's something of that sort. I don't know why people don't like the mainstream stuff. Maybe it's because it is mainstream and people like yeah. it's cool to not be mainstream. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So on social media as a musician, a solo musician, some find it very important to keep it all business all the time. But in some cases, some people maybe add a bit more of their own personality into it. But uh, in some cases, such as perusing through your Instagram uh, shows more <laughs> <laughs> I, I did my work before this. Such a, it show, it show, <laughs> I don't know what you think I found, but it's okay. <laughs> so uh, your Instagram shows more personality with a mix of business, such as, for example, uh, lighting the fireplace for your cat if people pre-save the new single. Stuff like that, you know? I was like, uh, it's like, hey, you know what? I'm already like, you got me convinced. I will do that. Uh, so, but with that in mind, you, do you think it's important to keep the personality on social media as a musician? I don't know. If you look at all the big bands, they don't even manage their own social media. So True. it is all business all the time. But as a solo musician, you cannot sell your music yet because like you don't have a record label trying to sell it for you as well um, <laughs> so you can only sell you people have to want to take part in the you experience the kind of experience they can't get from anywhere else because every single person is very unique and different you know and has another another perspective to offer even if it was supposed to be all business even if someone turns around and says statistically speaking you know you should be all business even as a tiny indie musician um i couldn't do it i just couldn't um i have too many opinions yeah you can't just go on twitter and be like well if you look at the statistics here it shows that the album sales are doing pretty good in these uh in these parts right here i like i like to say i put my foot in my mouth a lot so <laughs> no one's taking that from me. Nope, not a chance. So, uh, but <laughs> all right. So, so <laughs> I swear I can get to the next question. I promise. So give uh, on Twitter, especially you've shown a lot of love to plenty of musicians, including a uh, fellow solo artist, Lindsay Schoolcraft, whom I've had on the show before. And while I'm not sure if you guys have done any collabs before with songs or videos, you guys are very supportive of each other's work, and I've seen a lot of back and forth in that realm. Is it important to have that sort of promotional support amongst musicians on any platform? 
I like to think about it this way, right? A lot of authors of books see each other as competition. And mm-hmm. while that might be true, it might not be. I can understand that if the consumer is only going to pick up one book, make sure it's yours. A song lasts for three minutes. Fellow musicians are not your competition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're going to take up three minutes of, their t- of the consumer's time. You should 100% be supporting people. Honestly, I don't, I don't know many people as supportive as Lindsay. <laughs> um, oh my funny story like when she followed me back I because because Lindsay is one of the reasons I I was making folk music I really wanted to make goth rock and, and goth metal that's what I, I really wanted to make and it was hearing Lindsay as a solo artist and going there is room well I mean like you you got to understand like gr- growing up I didn't see a lot of solo female rock artists that was mm. not something that I I got to see so seeing Lindsay kind of unapologetically doing that is kind of what spurred me on into just going, nah, fucking, what can I say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pulling the trigger. <laughs> exactly. You know? exactly. And, and doing it myself. So when she followed me back, like I had like this meltdown and I, I didn't want to even tell my friends because they know like how big a fan I was. <laughs> so I didn't even <laughs> want to tell them because I was like, she's made a mistake. She's going to unfollow me tomorrow. <laughs> it was like, oh, I waited a whole week before telling anyone because I was so sure that she had just accidentally followed me. But no, I, we've become quite good friends. She's a really... just incredibly supportive person. I think, yeah, I think it's really important. I'm so happy that I've developed that, that sphere of, of support and friendship on Twitter. Um, I definitely haven't found that on any other site. I think Twitter's the best one for that. Just very supportive, some really good non-musician folk as well, who are just, just honestly champions of um, sort of independent music. I really I'm a big, big fan of that. Yeah, Lindsay is definitely one of anybody who even like, uh, like who isn't uh, in that sort of like friendship or follow back kind of thing with Lindsay. Even they know, like she is very like supportive and very outspoken about uh, like when it comes to uh, many for friends, many for colleagues in the mu- music world and everything of that sort. So I think that's like one of the great examples of, you know, supporting people in the same uh, in the same field as you, which as you were talking about, like, it's not, it's not really the same with, uh, with books, I'd say. Yeah. We just got to, we've got to really protect each other. I think, you know, the music industry is changing, um, forever right now, right in front of our eyes in, in ways that we can't even comprehend right now. And we have to make sure that we have each other's backs, you know, record deals are kind of more predatory than ever for a lot of people. Um, you know, particularly with streaming and it's, yeah, there's a mostly from what I see, like 360 deals right now, and they're not particularly favorable to musicians. And we have to make sure that we've got each other's backs and we're protecting independent music because signing is not an option for everybody. And that does not make the music less valuable. Yeah. I'm actually uh, on that note. I'm kind of curious to know, like, uh, like, like, have you ever signed with a record label before? No. And yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I have. I have not. I'm afraid of it. I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> One question I definitely want to ask is because of like how many songs that you that you're able to write. You know, why singles and why not an album or two albums or multiple albums? Albums are very expensive to make. <laughs> that is fair, actually. Yeah. Now I think about it. <laughs> reason is I worked out how much I could do and essentially on the money I have I can sort of do one a month um in order to do an album I would need basically all of that up front but Mm. to be completely transparent I'm hoping that my offerings to the algorithm pleases it and that it can create like an (laughs) influx of more stuff like more more listeners more fans things like that and then you know I'm hoping they'll then be like cool for an album. If I can start at least, if I was making back the money that I was putting into my music right now, I'd be able to make twice as much music because I would still still put all the money I currently have for music. I'd still put that into music because what else am I going to do with it? I'm a musician. Um, yeah, I'm kind of hoping that we can please our algorithmic gods and that they will reward me with loyal listeners. Let's hope it does. All right. So last question. This is the most important question I always ask. If you could be any cereal box character or cereal mascot, who would you Cocoa be? Cocoa Pops Monkey. Cocoa Pops Monkey. Like, okay. Not even a question. So not even Cocoa Pops Monkey. 
<laughs> no hesitation. Just, yeah, there we go. <laughs> you've been waiting, you've been waiting for that question, haven't you? <laughs> My whole life, all right? The whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. In that case, that's a great way to end this. So uh, thank you so much, Effie Gold, for coming on the show. Thank you. That was Effie Gold. The Effigy is the project. The new single is Talking to the Moon, a Bruno Mars cover. Dark symphonic metal Bruno Mars cover, to be more specific. You can check it out wherever you listen to your music, on YouTube, or anywhere you stream your songs. Make sure you keep an eye out as well. There may be something coming out in January. If we're to be believed here, you can follow them as well on socials. Effie's a lot of fun on socials, on Twitter and everywhere else. Links to all of that, as always, are in the podcast description. Okay, let's wrap this up. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. The Rain of Fire signals the end of our show today. Before you go, let me fill you in for what's coming up. We'll wrap up a couple of things started here, including revealing the top five best metal albums of 2022, continue looking back at some of this year's metal news stories, and we'll wrap up our talk with the Inferno Doll. All this and more in the next episode. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, podcasts, press, and so much more. Special thanks to The Inferno Doll and Effie Gold for coming on the show, and of course to Anna, our lovely co-producer, who's scarier if you piss her off. The robot is still shaking, Anna. I don't know what you said to him, but he's terrified. I'm Tom McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. Have a good night.